the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a great question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, We're going to roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program and talk about uh, uh, career development and how employees might thrive, as discussed in a new book called Promotions Are So Yesterday, by my guest, Julie Winkle Giulioni, who joins me by phone. Hi, Julie. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. How are you today? I'm doing just fine, thanks. I was going to mention that you've um, uh, that you're an Inc. Magazine Top 100 Leadership Speaker, and you contribute articles on leadership, career development, and workplace trends to numerous publications, including The Economist. Um but this uh, book, Promotions Are So Yesterday, I, it, it makes me wonder, of course, it's been a couple of decades since I had a real job <laughs> and um, or, or anything since I've been in radio that had anything to do with money. But, uh, <laughs> but, but as I remember, you know, from 20 plus years ago, um, promotions were the only way you could get a raise. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's interesting, Tom. I'll bet that career development hasn't changed a whole heck of a lot since you were, you know, internal in uh, in the traditional workplace. Um, we're still developing people in much the the same way, and um, you're, you know, kind of getting to the the nub of the issue really early on is um, that that issue of compensation and kind of the unnatural um, motivation that creates for people to make moves that may, you know, not be in their best interest, may not be even interesting to them. Um, But we just are on this habitual, you know, climb up that ladder. Um, And uh, and it's not working the way it used to. Well, and that's and that's what we called it, climbing the ladder of success, the way to make more money, to, you know, get more recognition was to continue through promotion after promotion. Wasn't it the uh, the book, The Peter Principle, that that kind of <laughs> shot holes in that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And of course, the problem with the ladder is that there's very little room for folks to. Um, for folks to get on that, you know? I mean, it's one person at a time, kind of one rung at a time. And so the problem is, if we keep defining careers and career development in terms of that kind of a limited, one-dimensional approach, 
we're going to leave a lot of people out. And to be honest with you, you know, you look at the great resignation, reshuffle, reevaluation, whatever we want to call it, you know, there are a lot of factors feeding into that, but career development, um, or probably more accurately stated, the lack of it is a major factor that's contributing to the retention issues organizations are struggling with right now. And what is the, um, you know, again, going back to, you know, a couple of decades ago, there was this sense that you hired into a company, you stayed with that company <laughs> for, you know, 20, 30 years, and, and yeah. um, you climbed as high as you could get within that 30-year that period, and mm -hmm. then you retired at whatever level you had uh, achieved. Um, yeah. Now people aren't staying in jobs like that anymore. Oh, right. Um, right. Are, are, people, right. are people jumping from, from one organization to another in lieu of raises and or promotions? Well, yeah, you know, that old cradle-to-grave model where you started with a company and you worked hard and you moved up the food chain and you retired with your gold um, watch and a, a pension is absolutely gone. The average oh, tenure today is... Well, <laughs> I was sorry. really looking forward to that watch. <laughs> You're going to have to buy your own. Huh? I know, right? <laughs> and it probably needs to be an Apple watch anyway. The gold stuff is all passe. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, on average, folks today are going to stay in a role four years. New entrants to the workplace are going to have 12 different jobs over the course of their um, working lives. And so the whole idea of even what career means today, it's, it's in, in flux, it's morphing. Um, and so, yeah, people are moving among and around um, the workplace to different organizations, uh, in some cases to cultivate more money and more status. In other cases, it's to do work that's going to be more meaningful. I mean, we're seeing a lot of folks after these past couple of years of soul searching and, and you know, internal changes, uh, leaving some of the promotions and the perks and the pay to do work that's more aligned with their, their purpose. And then a lot of people are leaving specifically to pursue the development that they're not getting. There are a couple of statistics. Um, LinkedIn did a study of like 6,600 working professionals, 94% of them said they'd stay longer with an organization if they saw an investment was being made in their development. And then there was another study done by HUMU, and they found that employees who don't perceive growth opportunities, they're 7.9 times as eager to leave, even if they like their job. So being satisfied with the job isn't enough. People want to grow, and they're um, you know, voting with their feet if they're not seeing the growth that they want in the organization that they're in. How much of a role has the pandemic had on bringing about a complete and total reevaluation of the workplace? Did, is the view a lot different uh, working remotely and at home than it, than it was in the cubicle? 
That's a really good question, Tom, and I think it's probably one that we'll be studying for you know decades to come. We were already seeing a lot of change in the workplace before the pandemic hit. Um, we were already seeing, for instance, that epidemic of loneliness. Um, people were feeling disconnected even before we were all sent you know, home to do our work remotely. Um, people were looking for greater meaning from their work even before March of 2020. Um, the, the desire for greater work-life balance had been in the works for some time. So from my perspective, it feels as though what the pandemic did was to give us permission to really be honest about what was already brewing within us and bring voice to some of those needs and those uh, challenges. And so what, the, what those couple of years have done is probably accelerate what was already kind of going down a certain path. Uh, but today, it's much more acceptable to have those conversations about, uh, I need flexibility around the where and the when and the how of my work. I mean, that's just in the zeitgeist um, of, of organizational conversations today. It's more acceptable to have those conversations about balance. And as I said, a lot of people are leaving you know, one employer to go do work that they find more, more meaningful. And so, um, so the pandemic definitely moved all of that along. And now, you know, with folks working remotely in some cases, with other organizations inviting their employees back, with still other organizations saying, you know, we're going to be somewhere in the middle doing this hybrid thing, it does introduce some new complexities for managers who already found themselves struggling with how to make development meaningful to their, their people, you know, even when they were all under one roof and they could manage it a little bit more cohesively. What does development even mean in this day and age? <laughs> that's a great question. And to be honest with you, I think that's what's really at the core of my book, promotions are, are so yesterday, is what does development mean to people? What do careers mean to people today in this dynamic, fast-moving environment that we find ourselves in? In a, a workplace that's flatter, that's been delayered, that does work more organically, um, where boomers might until recently have been living longer, working longer, and occupying those spots on the org chart that people were kind of eyeing and had, um, had their sights on, careers have to take on a new complexion. And career development does as well. You know, that traditional idea that a career is my title and that the development is that series of moves and promotions among those titles really needs to give way to a more multidimensional um, sort of way of thinking about careers and development in general. And so that's a, the crux of the new book is I've, I've introduced a multidimensional career framework that gives managers and employees alike a lot more power and control 
as well as possibilities for the kind of growth that's going to be meaningful today. Well, it's, and, and it's almost as if um, career development in, in days of old was uh, providing training opportunities for employees to get better at doing what they do for me, yeah. as opposed to um, developing skills and talents uh, for things they do for them. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's um, it's kind of a both-and sort of situation, isn't it? Because for career development to be meaningful and sustainable, it's got to be a two-way street. So, yeah, on the one hand, the organization needs to um, to see the benefits in order to be, uh, be able to justify the investment. But if it's not serving the individual as well, that person isn't going to deploy the time and the emotional energy that's required to grow on top of everything else that they're doing. The name of the book is uh, Promotions Are So Yesterday, Redefine Career Development, Help Employees Thrive. And, uh, boy, it just, uh, it's out officially today. It is. As of this morning, it is on uh, all your favorite booksellers' shelves. Well, my guest is uh, the author, Julie Winkle Giulioni. And, um, Julie, I... uh, I'm fumbling around a little bit here because I have a break coming up in about two minutes, and I want to make <laughs> sure that you're willing to stick around and talk some more about uh, about the book Thank and ab- about uh, career development after the break. Um, but uh, in the in the minute and a half or so that that we have, um, what prompted you to to write this book? You know, I I co-authored my first book about 10 years ago, and it was called, it is called Help Them Grow or Watch Them Go. And I wrote that with Beverly Kay. That was an international bestseller, folks, by the way. Thank you. Translated into seven languages. Um, And, uh, yeah, it it really... uh, it really changed the conversation around career conversation, giving managers and leaders um, a different way of approaching development dialogue that's maybe a little bit more organic, more iterative, fits into the cadence of the the workplace a little bit better. Um, And yet I still was hearing from the managers at keynotes training that I was doing, this is great, I'm having better conversations, but where do I take these conversations? You know, I'm still nervous about it because I think everybody wants a promotion. I don't have that promotion. Where can I take a conversation around development <laughs> that doesn't lead to the latter? And so that's what this new book, Promotions or So Yesterday, does. It answers that question, and there are several different avenues, and maybe we can explore those after the break. Yeah, and let's ways do to take the conversation. Let's let's do that indeed. My my guest is uh, Julie Winkle Giulioni, and we're going to talk about her book, Promotions Are So Yesterday, when we continue, after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. 
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about career development with uh, trainer, speaker, author, etc., Julia Winkle Giulioni, the author of Promotions Are So Yesterday, who joins me by phone. Um, Julie, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, it's fun. I love the show. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Nobody wants to be on a show they hate. Um, <laughs> But but let's let's talk about that. You said something uh, before the break that I've been thinking about uh, the last few minutes, and and it had to do with with managers and and having better conversations with employees with staff, and then not really knowing how to take it to the next level. And it, it reminded me of a funny scene from uh, the television show West Wing, and one of the. Uh, uh, administrative assistance is asking her boss uh, if she can have a raise and he said no I can't afford a raise and she said well what about a promotion and he said no I can't do a promotion I could do a title bump and she mm-hmm. says well what would that be and he says what's your title now and she says I don't know a deputy uh, assistant whatever and he says nope can't do a title bump <laughs> <laughs> And anyway, it it I, I thought of that scene when you mentioned yeah. managers who are are having good conversations with employees, but then don't know how to take it to the next level. Right, right, right. Because the traditional way we've thought about this is so limited. You know, I I've increasingly started to think about career development is like this light that we have traditionally been shining on the the canvas of the org chart, right? And so all we can see is the up and down and the around and the different positions and spots that folks can move them on. And so as I was writing the new book, Promotions Are So Yesterday, what I really saw was we needed a framework, and I call it the multidimensional career framework, but we needed something that would act as a prism and take that light of career development, and just like a prism, you know, the light goes through and it refracts and it bends and it breaks out, it splits out into something you can see very differently than what was coming in. And something that managers would be able to see, hold on to, wrap their heads around, work with employees around. And that's what the multidimensional career framework is. It's really sort of the, the rainbow of possibilities that we have not seen or had language uh, around um, that can exponentially expand what's possible when it comes to career development. Well, you know what's interesting is when you talk about career development, and I've, you know, read some of the books and, you know, listened to some of the um, experts in the field over the years, and and I couldn't help thinking that for a lot of people, they really aren't on a career path. You know, they're they're moving from job to job, generally based on, on two or three criteria. One is the job presented itself, made itself available to me in some way. I applied for it and okay. got it, or my neighbor told me they knew of a job, you know, et cetera. Um, it, the other was um, 
things that I wouldn't not do. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, um, yeah. There are certain jobs that I wouldn't take um, because I don't have an interest or, or a skill set for it. And then um, the third thing would be based on, on some kind of financial incentive. And in they've been almost random. You know, I look mm-hmm, at some people's mm-hmm. resumes and I think, wow, how did you go from there to there to there to there to there? Mhm. Yeah, yeah. Kind of happenstance, right? Yeah. And it, the, the truth is, we're going to see more of that, not so, not less of that going well, forward. Exactly. And and what I'm saying is, we were we were trying to work with people based on almost a false narrative, and then mm. now we're maybe accepting the fact that it's even more of a gig economy than it used to be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and how are we um what are the expectations now of the job seekers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a, a great question and a really good observation you're right i think that gig economy has um, and the side hustle and all of that has really seeped into to all of our uh, psyches. And, you know, as I think about career development, I kind of liken it to planning a trip. You know, when you plan a vacation, there are all of these high points that you want to see, right? I mean, if you're going to... Paris, you want to see the Eiffel Tower and the Arc de Triomphe <laughs> and the Champs Elysees, and you know, and so you've got that. Those are the places you want to be and go. And I know for myself, when we went to Paris, I got lots of pictures of those places. But what I really remember and what resonates most with me, what makes me smile um, when I think about that trip, is what happened between those big landmarks. You know, it was wearing out a pair of shoes because I refused to get on the metro and miss seeing anything in between. It was, you know, this ice cream at this little island that uh, was amazing. And this older uh, woman in a shop who wrapped up this tiny piece of soap so beautifully that to this day, I've still got that soap wrapped up. I'm never using that soap because it's too beautiful. You know, it's the, the stuff in between that you remember, that has meaning. And the same is true with career development. We've, we've, we've so focused on the destinations and the landmarks of those roles that we haven't fully mined what's possible, you know, between and beyond and, and beside those, those landmarks. And so what the expectation is going to be, you know, going forward of, of employees and what managers and leaders can deliver on is a journey that's going to be richer and more tailored to what the unique needs, interests, wants are of that individual. When managers expand the definition of what career development is, when they take other dimensions into consideration, they can co-create with employees unique, I don't want to say pathways because that that implies going somewhere, 
unique opportunities and experiences that allow for growth in the here and now, rather than even having to think about that next destination. And, and what about compensating people that are um, excelling in a particular job? Yeah, yeah. Compensation is the next frontier here. I'm not going to lie to you. And a, a lot of folks who are way smarter than I am in this realm are, are working hard. You know, organizations are experimenting with all sorts of things. We already have seen a lot of management and technical paths that allow those in you know, technical roles to continue to grow and evolve and, um, and see their, their compensation and influence in an organization expand without having to move into management. Because that was one of the real problems that we had. Was, you know, so frequently, people who were great at what they were doing saw that their only way forward was to move into a leadership role. And that might not have been a good fit. Um, for a lot of folks. And so uh, so we've seen, you know, kind of the two-track system in many organizations. A lot of organizations are starting to um, experiment with compensation based upon outcomes, you know, rather than traditional salaries, um, compensating people for acquiring new skills and abilities. There's creativity around short and long-term uh, sorts of compensation and incentive elements. Um, but I think the biggest thing is organizations are really starting to look at compensation holistically. And dollars and cents are part of it, but people are wanting a lot more than that out of their work. And so a total comp package today you know, includes things like you know, what kind of working conditions, you know, what kind of flexibility, work from home, hybrid are you looking for? I don't know how many organizations are offering unlimited vacations, allowing people to really ensure that they're doing the rest and rejuvenation required to sustain themselves over the long haul. Um, you know, so there are non-monetary perks that are becoming increasingly important to folks and so the compensation, um, the definition of compensation is evolving just as is the definition of career development. And, and another thing that I've been a little bit concerned about back in uh, uh, 2016, I think it was 2016, the uh, presidential mm -hmm. election, um, Andrew Yang came up with this notion, and some other people did too, of a universal uh, basic income, something that would take care of a person's basic needs for food, clothing, and shelter. And then whatever they did beyond that to generate additional revenue would be fine. And his rationale for this, this UBI was that technology was taking up jobs at a rate where somewhere 10 or 20 or 25 years down the road, there just wouldn't be jobs for people. And uh, that was largely because of um, automation and uh, artificial intelligence. And, and, and this was, you know, this is something economists have been kicking around and talking about what 
what happens to career development and human resources and and all of that um, when you know the the fight between man and machine heats up again <laughs> well the good news is that there are certain contributions that human beings can make that no machine is ever going to be able to take over creativity you know innovation empathy care there are things that we that are uniquely human and you know, my sense is there are certain jobs um, that we're finding people are not interested in doing. And so gratefully, there are you know, technology, automation, AI solutions for those sorts of things. I really believe that all of that is only going to open up more opportunities for individuals to carve out unique ways to use their signature strengths and skills and superpowers, I think we're just going to find more and more ways to create and innovate and, uh, and make things better. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I know for um, when I do management training, a lot of managers are kind of worried about, well, if I delegate, you know, this work to people, then what about me? You know, what value do I bring? And a great manager who delegates then frees his or her space up for next level skills and contributions to do something more strategic. I see this the same way. We as human beings will be freed up to, to discover new dimensions or, and new ways that we can make a difference. And, and you know what a lot of, uh, a lot of managers maybe don't realize, and, and it might not be recognized by their their employees and you know the people on both sides of the of the continuum their their employers and their employees is that sometimes a, a very effective delegator frees themselves up to deal with things when they go wrong good point which yep. they which yep. which they ultimately do i mean there are things that go wrong and it's nice to mm -hmm. have somebody that can react immediately to that situation. Absolutely. And the technology that we're building today, it's not infallible. It's going to need people to jump in and do the troubleshooting and take it to the next level. So I, I, just, I see a very opportunity-filled future um, when it comes to, um, to technology. Well, it's um, what. What is the prognosis for the economy and for jobs and everything going forward, um, Julie? I I hear people talking about usually people on Wall Street or in public office that are saying, you know, the economy is doing better than it ever has. And there's this little voice in the back of my head that says, "Not in my neighborhood." Um, and it, and I've been reading about the job shortages. Um, what's what is the prognosis for um, these these places that are looking for employees and having a difficult time? A lot of them are restaurants, and and they're kind of mm -hmm. high profile mm -hmm. for that reason. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, mm-hmm. what what about these places? What what is going to happen going forward? What's the short term view and the long term view? Well, I'm not an economist, Tom, and I don't even play one on TV. Yeah, well, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, Julie. But <laughs> no, as someone, I know, I know. but no, as no. someone who, you know, is is interested in studying careers and career development, mm-hmm. I just wonder what's going to happen yeah. when people are opting not to accept jobs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that is what we're experiencing right now. Um, there are, are, gosh, I don't know what the numbers are today, open positions that employers can simply not fill. Um, and I think it's a, an opportunity for, you know, industries and organizations in particular to really take a look at what kind of an employee experience they are offering. Um, because the nature of the work is certainly a, a piece of what's going to attract and retain people, but there are so many other factors. You know, the kind of leadership, the kind of vision, the kind of mission that an organization has, the relationships that are cultivated, the extent to which there's an ability to grow and expand and uh, develop new skills and abilities. Um, the autonomy that's allowed. You know, do I get to make decisions and have some control over how things get done? There are so many dimensions of the employee experience that managers and organizations can manage. So I guess the opportunity here really is how can we use those levers differently? How can we pull some of those levers to make this work that's vital. I mean, so much of the, the work that's going undone right now is there at the front line, at the service provider uh, level. How can we make the experience for that employee more attractive? How can we make that job something that someone wants to, to do? And so the experience is a piece of it. And uh, of course, the, the, then the compensation and how that fits in uh, works as well. Well, I'll tell you, it's um, it, it it seems like it's it it's just in flux. Mm-hmm. Um, is is it in flux, or or is this a transition that was already on the way, and we're just uh, following the flow? Well, you know, I I. I think frontline work is tremendously difficult. And so we were probably already uh, pre-pandemic um, recognizing that. Uh, and then the, the pandemic just put an exclamation point or two behind it. Uh, so it may be... Yeah, they went from frontline workers to essential workers. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and they were the ones who were putting themselves on the line day in and day out so that we could have our groceries and a meal and everything else that was needed. Extraordinary. I mean, just really inspiring the way people stepped up. Um, and so it probably is a bit of a, an acceleration of some of what we already saw. And, um, and so, you know, organizations are having to, to scramble. And in some cases, it has accelerated some of the automation that was in the works. 
Um, but again, as I said before, I think what that means is it gives people the opportunity to use their uniquely human skills and capacities. Uh, so there'll be new opportunities for those folks. Um, but it's definitely a, a, a time of change and a time when innovation is the name of the game as we figure out as organizations and individuals how to add value in a sustainable way. Well, the book is Promotions Are So Yesterday, Redefine Career Development, Help Employees Thrive, written by uh, my my guest today, um, Julie Winkle Giulioni. And, and I have to keep practicing that. That, that name, you Julie. and everyone else, Tom. It's a mouthful. It's well, and it's it's tempting to pronounce Giulioni a little bit different. Um, yeah. But but let me first thank you for spending the the time with me and the listeners this morning. But I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you, and of course about the book promotions are so yesterday, and your work past, present, and future. Um, do you have a website you'd like to share? I sure do, Tom, and thank you for that opportunity. It's juliewinklegiulioni.com, and uh, that's kind of my central repository for information about my work and my writing, and uh, we've got a page about the book there. We also have a, a great online self-assessment uh, around the book that helps to introduce people to the multidimensional career framework that's at the heart of it. And the book is available um, for purchase and order today at all of your favorite booksellers. Well, Julie, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. It's been a real delight talking with you, and thank you so much. So great connecting with you and your audience, Tom. Thank you for having me. Okay. Keep up the good work. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. Again, Julie Winkle Giulioni, author of Promotions Are So Yesterday, Redefine Career Development, Help Employees Thrive. Now, we're going to take a uh, short break and uh, be back with the final segment of today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Don't forget to join us tomorrow. We're going to have a uh, chief legal analyst from uh, Esquire Digital, and there is so much to talk about uh, with regard to the Supreme Court and uh, some cases that are uh, pending and, of course, uh, nomination, confirmation, and, and other things. So we'll be talking with Aaron Solomon. That'll be followed uh, by our weekly political roundtable, Armchair Politics, in the second and third hour of the show tomorrow uh, with commentary and analysis on uh, local, state, and national headlines in the world of politics and current events with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki on the left and Henry Hatter on the right, joined by political operative uh, Bobby Clayton Walton will be joining us for tomorrow's edition of Armchair Politics. If it's Wednesday, it's Armchair Politics. In the meantime, we're going to take a short break. If you're streaming us at WFOV 92.1 LPFM Flint, our Voices Radio is a broadcast service of the Flint Honesty House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Hearing. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. 
Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year, the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flynn Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Flip Flip Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hey, this is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. It's Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. And then ask for the gift card number over the phone. 
Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov AG for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Uh, I worked as an accountant for a number of years in Chicago, uh, and I had a kind of a strange uh, theory of accountancy. Uh, I had always felt, uh, you know, if you got within two or three bucks of it, (laughs) but (laughs) this never really caught on. (laughs) And as a consequence, I held a number of different accounting jobs, you see. And it seemed like whenever I would go with a company, uh, they would always be having a retirement party. And I found out one thing. They are all alike. Uh, Different people will retire, different people make the speeches. But they all say the same tired old thing. I went to one in Chicago for a guy named Chuck Bedlow. He was an accountant, and he was retiring after 50 years. And first of all, Mr. Clayton got up. He was the president. He gave a little address. Then Mr. Tipton, the vice president, gave a little address. And finally, Bruce Higgins, the head of the accounting department, got up and gave a little address. And he was Mr. Trite. He used every cliche that had ever been used at a retirement party. uh, And he said things like this. Well, uh, uh, golly, I guess today's the day, isn't it? It's, uh, it's really going to seem funny, though, uh, golly, walking in here Monday morning and, and not seeing, uh, not seeing uh, uh, Charlie's uh, smiling, happy face there at the desk. I, uh, I got to calling him smiling, easygoing Charlie, <laughs> and I guess most of us had some sort of nickname or other. We used to call him from time to time. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget... Uh, well, that, that too, yeah. Uh, I'll never forget, a kind of amusing thing happened. Uh, I had just gotten out of college, and uh, now what's the, what's the phrase I'm looking for here? I, I, well, a, a little wet behind the ears, I guess might be the way to put it. <laughs> and I was made department head here. And uh, many's the night that Charlie and I used to uh, sort of uh, burn the midnight oil, so to speak. So let's really hear it now for a wonderful old guy, uh, uh, Charlie 
Oh, Bredlow. Bedlow, Bedlow. Charlie? Well, I uh, uh, thank, uh, thank you very much, Bruce. Golly, I've been uh, sitting here uh, listening to uh, Mr. Clayton and uh, Ms. Mr. Tipton and, of course, Bruce here. And through all of their speeches, one thought kept sort of uh, recurring in my mind. I... Uh, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I have never heard such dribble in all my life. <laughs> I, I don't suppose that it, it ever occurred to any of you that I had to get half stoned every morning <laughs> to make it down to this crummy job. <laughs> you'd, uh, you'd, you'd be smiling and easy going if you were gassed all the time, too. <laughs> but you put in your 50 years and they give you this crummy watch. They, I try to try to make a big deal out of it. It works out to about 28 cents a year. But uh, ser seriously, if it hadn't been for the 50 bucks a week that I glommed out of petty cash. Well, I, I just, uh, I couldn't have made it on the, <laughs> on the lousy salary they pay it. <laughs> oh, and then uh, someone started the rumor about Miss um, Wilson, the, uh, the cashier, and myself. <laughs> and everyone was running, if, uh, you know, when I retire, and uh, she gets back from her vacation in Florida, whether well, uh, we would get married, I suppose, and spend our declining years down there. Uh, she, she isn't coming back, by the way. <laughs> I understand that sweet old Miss Wilson is uh, into this company for about 100,000 bucks. <laughs> It's a little deal that she's worked out. <laughs> she either calls it uh, double payrolling or ghost payrolling or some, something having to do with payrolling. <laughs> I can never make heads or tails out of what she was talking about. Of course, she's uh, down in Mexico with a hundred thou. And I'm up here with this crummy watch. <laughs> So anything that I might say, I suppose, would be sour grapes. 
one last thing. A lot of uh, people have asked me, Charlie, what are you going to do when you finally retire? Oh, are you going to get a little uh, part-time job in Florida? Or uh, just a lull around the beach? Or in other words, what am I going to do? I have some tapes from some office parties. <laughs> that I'm, I'm going to let go for 1500 bucks a copy. <laughs> now let me, let me take that back a minute. Uh, the June picnic may run 17.5. <laughs> and with the money that I make off of the tapes, and Ms. Wilson's under a thou, I should uh, do pretty good. Thank you very much. Thank you. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. Thanks for tuning in and thanks to all the guests. Julie Winkle Giulioni, author of Promotions Are So Yesterday this past hour. In the middle during the second hour we talked with uh, author Len Joy about his new book Dry Heat and we started out this morning talking about just health. Um, how racial inequality undermines public health and how to address the problem with uh, law professor Dana Bowen Matthew, um, author of uh, Just Health. Anyway, uh, that's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room, but I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And since it's Wednesday, I will have our roundtable regulars together assembled for the second and third hour with armchair politics. See you then. Good night, everybody. Sumner program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. 
Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.